glad you're here today. You've already, in many ways, heard a message, so I'm just going to take a few moments to kind of pull things together, but I want to mention a couple of things. First, be in prayer for our team that's over in Lebanon. They arrived on Friday night, and um, last we heard, they're doing well, so be praying for them during their time over there. Also, just a couple announcements from the current. If you'll note, we have our Good Friday service coming up on March 30th. We need some more folks that might be willing to do child care. I know that's a sacrifice, um, but certainly um, we, we would really appreciate that. So would you consider that and pray about that? That's March 30th at 7. And then also, we're having an Easter celebration as an outreach with children on the 24th. That's coming up. And we need, if, if you want to follow up, just look in here. It talks about how we need individual wrapped candy donations, and there will be baskets around for that. So we appreciate those of you that are helping and those of you who are a part of ministering to advance the gospel. This morning, I want to just take a couple minutes to, to answer a, a question or two about baptism. What is baptism, and why do Christians practice baptism? I think we have a, a real problem here, much like what, what some of you have heard called whisper down the lane. Somebody starts out with a story as it continues to go down the line. By the time it gets way down the line, you're like, that has nothing to do with its original message. And I think that there are many things that the devil has twisted about the Bible so that many people who call themselves Christians, they're so far from what the Bible teaches and they're steeped in their traditions so that when you say, hey, where's that in the Bible? Doesn't even dawn on them. Jesus had the same experience when he was on earth. He said to some of the religious leaders at his time, he said, why do you forsake the word of God on account of your traditions? So this morning, I want to just try to take a look with you at what the Bible teaches about baptism and why we practice it. And for some of you, this might be very different from what you were taught. And what you'll need to do is decide, do I believe the Bible is the word of God? If so, I may have to make some decisions based on what I was taught versus what does the Bible teach because I'm going with the Bible. So let's start with this. When Jesus was on earth, he spoke of building his church. This wasn't man's idea, this was Jesus' idea. When Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, Peter said, you're right. Or Jesus said, you're right, blessed are you, Simon. Flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you. But notice now in verse 18, Jesus said, I say to you that you're Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, the Roman Catholic tradition is that Peter was the first pope I don't think when he talked about a rock here, he was talking about Peter. The Greek word for Peter is Petros. The Greek word for rock is Petra, which is a big bedrock. And I think what Jesus was saying was on the bedrock of truth that I am the son of God, I will build my church. Now, as an example of whisper down the lane, here we are, 2018, and most people think a church is a building. Here's a church, here's the steeple. That's not what the Bible teaches. A church isn't a building. The word church means a community or called out group of people, an assembly of people. And so when we read the Bible, we learn from the Bible that a church is not a building, but it's a group of believers. In other words, it's a group of forgiven followers. You'll often hear me say, a church is not a place for good people, it's a place for sinners to come and find Christ. It's a hospital. So it's a group of forgiven followers, believers who commit themselves to gather regularly. 
They just come once in a while if there's nothing else to do. They come regularly. They're committed to Christ. And they gather under biblical leaders. It's not just a free-for-all. And they come to carry out God's will as it is revealed to us in the Bible. So, again, anything that I'm saying here, well, where is that in the Bible? Well, let's start with this. A group of believers who commit themselves to gather regularly. You'll frequently hear people say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And I go, I agree with that. But there's no such thing in the Bible as a Christian who doesn't go to church regularly. The Bible says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Now, you just heard people make a confession. The Bible says, don't just get in the water and confess it. Hold fast to it. Keep believing it. Keep living that way. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. So when we come together, it's not like, ah, I didn't get much out of it. It's like, hey, how's it going? What, what can I pray for? But notice this phrase. It says, not forsaking our own assembling together. There's so much of that. Christianity in America has become sort of an individualized thing. If you feel like it, you go to church. In the Bible, Jesus said, I'll build my church and it's believers who gather regularly. And they gather under leaders. The Bible gives two Two titles for leaders, overseers and deacons. And the scripture says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who give an account. And I understand people are like, you're not going to make me drink Kool-Aid, and I understand that. But it's not a democracy. God has designed the church to be built around followers of Christ who are trying to be humble servant leaders. And they gather not to, what do you guys want to do today? They gather to carry out God's will. God has already revealed to us what he wants us to do in the Bible. What he wants us to do is go and make disciples of all the nations. What a joy it was to hear people from other countries sharing how Christ has brought them to themselves. But notice, you make disciples and you baptize them. So this is from Jesus. So he didn't say, go and take babies and baptize them. He said, make disciples and baptize them. So the church, our role is to advance the gospel. And we recognize that some people are like, ah, that's ridiculous. I just talked to a lady on Friday. She said, I don't believe any of that stuff. That's not, I can't change someone's mind. I just have to tell them the truth of what the Bible says. Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. This lady said, I don't even believe in God. And I'm fine with that. And I said, well... God's real, and you're not going to be fine when you meet him. So, what are we supposed to follow? What is God's will? Well, true churches are supposed to follow the Bible. That's our final source for beliefs and behavior. So, oh, I I like to think it's this way. Well, if, if it's in the Bible, then that's what we're going to go with, God's inspired words. Fortunately, many today do not. Many today do, but I want to encourage you, if you're not going to a church that teaches the Bible, find one. Even if you're not from around here. If, if, if you don't see people coming to church and reading the Bible, you'll be like, well, what, are you, what are you guys doing? Well, why, why aren't you studying the Bible? Why aren't we listening to the Lord anymore? So today we just want to take a moment to talk about two of the ordinances that Jesus commanded. Because many of you grew up, you've heard these terms. You're like, ah, what's this and what's that? Well, let's start with this. Baptism and the Lord's Supper were both commanded by Jesus. Nobody sat around one day and said, hey, you want to come up with a good idea? Let's just briefly talk about this. Notice that we've used the word ordinances. The word ordinance means something that's commanded. Okay, now you may have grown up, and and in your church they called them sacraments. Now that's not necessarily wrong to call them sacraments, except that in some churches, like the Roman Catholic tradition, 
They teach that sacraments are a channel whereby God's grace is conveyed to you through the sacrament itself, as though there was something sacred about the ritual that transforms or, or, or puts faith into you or does something to you. It's not wrong to call them sacraments, but we prefer to call them ordinances, things that Jesus commanded. Jesus commanded baptism, and we notice that. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize them. Now, in a moment, we're going to ask, well, why? Why didn't he say, go and make disciples and tell them to hang upside down from a tree and, and yell hallelujah? Well, we're going to talk about why, because baptism is supposed to be a visual picture of an invisible, invisible reality. So after we baptize them, the Bible says, teach them to observe all that I commanded you. So anybody who says, hey, I'm forgiven, I'm going to follow Christ, but I don't want to obey him, we're like, well, that doesn't even make sense. We're forgiven followers. We've been saved by his grace. We want to learn how to obey him. And he's with us. He helps us. And I hope, that, I hope you picked up on that because some of you might be going, I could never change like that. Not by yourself, but through Christ, you can find a brand new life with all the power you need. He'll never ask you to do what he won't enable you to do. And I can tell you that from my own experience. So the other ordinance is called the Lord's Supper. You, you may have heard it called the Eucharist or communion. And again, this was the Lord's idea. I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. And the night which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he gave it thanks, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So, so on a regular basis, he says, I want you to think about my cross, how I was broken and shed my blood for your forgiveness. But this morning, we just want to take a moment or two to say, well, what is this baptism? I've got some questions about that. And we'll start with this one. Who should be baptized? You heard uh, Steve say... He was baptized as a child. Many of you here this morning will say, oh, yeah, I was baptized as a baby. So was I. But what does the Bible teach about that? The Bible teaches that only those who make a credible profession of repentance and faith should be baptized. You will never find in the Bible anyone getting baptized as a baby. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved. So, so when I was baptized as a child, I don't even remember it. I was a baby. So, so what we've done with traditions is we've, we've put the, the cart before the horse. So it didn't hurt you to get baptized, but perhaps you were told that getting baptized as a child, that was remarkably important to get you into heaven. And, and, and I'm here to tell you that that's not what the Bible teaches. So we want to ask the question, well, then why do some churches baptize infants? Well, let's start with the Roman Catholic Church. They believe that when you baptize an infant, that it infuses grace to them as a necessity for salvation. And frequently, I've had people come. We have many people who have come from the Roman Catholic tradition who, who come here now and are studying the Bible, and they're like, well, you baptized my baby. And we're like, why? Well, to, to, to make sure they're going to heaven. Well, does the Bible teach that? No. So... Understand this, that, that they believe that their traditions are authoritative. This is what we say. So when you say to them, well, that child, that baby doesn't have faith, they know that. They believe that it is by the work performed. Faith is not required of the child, but grace is infused by the faith of the ones performing the work. So this morning, maybe you go, hey, I think I'm going to heaven because I was baptized. Right? Well, I want to challenge you. What, what if that's not true? What if that's not what the Bible says? 
and, and don't, please don't get mad at me. <laughs> I, I don't want to be offensive. I say that in all gentleness. The Bible says when people have different views, with gentleness, show them from the Bible. And I would love to talk to any of you about this. But then some of you may have grown up in a Presbyterian tradition and some Protestants baptize children not for salvation. So, so when they're sprinkling the children, they're not going, oh, this is going to get Billy into heaven. But they see it as a way to identify with God's covenant community in hopes that the child will come to faith. So in the Old Testament, you remember that God said, everyone who is a follower of Jehovah, if they want to stay within the covenant community, they need to circumcise their children. Now, never did the Bible teach that circumcision would save a child. It just identified them with the community. And so some people today would say, well, that, that's basically what baptism is today. It's, it's the same thing. You're identifying your, your child. Look how closely they're mentioned. In him you were circumcised, not with a circumcision made with hands, but the removal of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism. So they're going, see, they're mentioned very closely together. And, and, and I'm okay with that, although I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. I don't think you will find in the Bible people baptizing their children. In the book of Acts, people say, well, they baptized their whole household. There's no evidence there that they were infants. They were believers. But then the next question is, well, well, why should Christians be baptized? Never, ever, ever for salvation. Never. If in any way you've been told that getting into that water is part of what saves you, I, I beg you to, to look in your Bible and find where it says that. The Bible says that God saves us as a gift. By grace. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's all about the grace of God. The word grace means undeserved. So I don't do anything to earn my salvation. Christ did everything. When he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. I just come as an empty-handed sinner going, I want to be saved, Lord. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, that sounds too easy. Well, it's easy for us because it's free. It wasn't easy for him because it cost him his life. But look at this verse, for by grace you have been saved through faith in Christ. That's how you're forgiven, through faith. You believe, you, you turn to Christ and, and you go, I get it now, he died to save me. He shed his blood, the Lamb of God took away my sins. And you put your faith in Christ and you've been saved by his grace. Now notice, it's a gift. It's not something that I get baptized to earn. It's not as a result of works so that no one should boast. Imagine what heaven would be like, so... <clears throat> What are you doing up here? Well, first I was baptized. Do you have a few moments? I want to tell you all that I've done for Jesus. No, it's all by God's grace. That's why we sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. So if you were baptized thinking that that's what got you into heaven, then I remind you from the toy Bop It. Remember Bop It? If you didn't get a good score, it would go, do it again, but uh, better, right? Follow the Bible. So, Oop, wrong way. Let's try going this way. So the reason that Jesus asked us to be baptized is because it's a visual symbol. Just like in the sacrament or the ordinance of communion, the bread represents his body, the, the wine represents his blood. Baptism pictures two things. Number one, the water. 
symbolizes that we have been forgiven. Now, the water itself doesn't wash away my sins. But it's a symbol. So you don't get in here going, ooh, I hope this will scrub-a-dub-dub my sins. You get in here because you go, I am forgiven. And, and in the Bible, you'll read frequent passages about our sins being washed away. It's, it's a symbol. But why does Jesus ask us to go under the water? I mean, isn't it enough to get a little sprinkle? I mean, it's just easy. It's quick. I don't need a change of clothes. But don't you understand that baptism is picturing two things. One, forgiveness, but two, it's a symbol that I have died to my old life. In other words, I've had people say to me, can I be a Christian and just stay the way I am and just, I like my life. No. Jesus said, if you love your life and you want to save your life, you're going to lose it. If you're like, I want to live my way, I don't want anybody telling me what to do, and I'm going to do it Burger King, have it my way. Well, please understand that the outcome of that, according to the Bible, is you'll die, you'll perish, you'll, you'll end up in the lake of fire, because you rebelled against a loving God who offered you salvation so full and free. So, so a Christian is someone who's forgiven and transformed within. As a result of that, if you live like a non-Christian after you were baptized, then you have forgotten what the Bible says. It says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism. So when that person goes underwater, they're going, bye-bye, old life. Bye-bye, old man. Funeral, happy funeral. That's, that's who I was, but that's not who I am anymore. And when they come back out of the water, the Bible says they're raised to walk in the newness of life, fully forgiven, heart changed, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and now empowered no longer to live for me, but for him. Now, do I do that every day perfectly? Of course not. But there's this great, deep, real change of heart. If that's not something you want, then you have to think that through. What, what is it that's keeping you from coming to Christ? Is it fear of what people think? Are you more worried about what your family will think than what God thinks? Is there some sin or pleasure that you're like, I don't want to forsake this or that? Jesus said, what good is it? You'll gain the whole world, but you'll lose your soul. So Christians repent of their sins. We realize, hey, I don't have to be a murderer to be a sinner. I, I get it. I, I've, I've, I've sinned against God and I deserve his punishment, but, but I'm willing to turn from that. I don't reform myself. I, I was into drugs. Many people here went into drugs and all kinds of things. But listen, don't think to yourself, well, I don't need Christ. I had somebody say that to me. Religion is just for weak people. Well, the sooner you realize you're a weak sinner, the quicker you can get help from God. So in closing... I just want to ask, well, how should they be baptized? We believe that it's by immersion. So some of you might go, well, I was sprinkled as a baby. Doesn't that count? Well, you go, what do you mean count? Count for what? It doesn't get you into heaven. Do you want to do what the Bible teaches? Now, again, for some of you, like, well, that's not what I believe, and I understand that. I'm just hoping that you'll consider what the Bible says. So, just three thoughts. Number one, if you're a Christian... Remember your baptism. You're like, well, of course I remember my baptism. No, no. 
remember your baptism. I want to read you a quote from a book, uh, a commentary in the book of Romans. Paul says a lot about baptism. In the writings of Martin Luther, baptism was a powerful reminder of the Christian's identity and as a source of their moral courage to overcome sin. So, Brother Steve shares about porn. Some of you are struggling with addictions, porn, pride, selfishness, greed, lying, adultery, sexual sin. We struggle. But if you're a Christian, remember your baptism. Martin Luther once said this in a sermon. He said, baptism is the place where our wretched old man was led to drown and die. I like that. My old self was led to drown and die. But it's also a sign of my new life. If you fall into sins... Luther said, then remember your baptism and flee again to your baptism. Remember, you are fully forgiven. Then he went on to say this. When we, this is the author. When we contemplate our baptism, we contemplate the death of the old self. In the face of temptation, we ask, how can I continue sinning? I've been baptized into Christ. How can I offer my body to my old self again? Remember, you are baptized Remember in whom you were baptized. Our conversion into Christ, that means we are baptized into his life in the same way that a fabric is dipped in dye. I like this. He says, so as a result of that, when a person is dipped in the bath of baptism, he comes out and his, formal, his former color disappears. He's a new man, the color of Jesus. Amen? It doesn't matter what race, color you are. We're dipped into Jesus. So the Bible says we're buried with him in baptism. So, so in, in this thought, the author says this. Prove your baptism good by seeking to die to sin, offering our head, heart, and hands in service to the power of the cross. Carried by prayer, strengthened by the Spirit, as people came out of here, rise like Christ walking in the triumph and the victory that is ours in Jesus. So if you're a Christian, remember your baptism. If you kind of lost your way, make things right with the Lord this morning. Number two, if you're an unbaptized believer, I'll keep it simple. You're baptized. There's a difference between a good sound excuse and an excuse that sounds good. It's amazing how many Christians go, yeah, I've been putting this off for a long time. Why? You're baptized. Not because it'll get you to heaven, but because you're going there. And you want to join those who are following Christ as his disciples. And then finally, to the rest, many religious people in Peter's day, very religious, devout Jews. Some of you are very religious. Some of you are, care less about religion. But either way, at the end of the day, Peter said to them, look, I know you did it out of ignorance. And many of you are like, I just did what my church told me to do. You can't, God's not going to blame me. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to men, but the way of that is the end of death. So Peter says, I know you acted out of ignorance, but then they came to him and they said, well, what should we do? Which, Pastor, this is very compelling. What should I do? Well, look what Peter said to do. Repent. And so this morning, if you have never come to Christ, maybe you didn't know how. You thought you already were forgiven because you were baptized as a baby. Maybe you just, like some of the testimonies, you just wanted to do your thing for a while and you realize that was a dead end. But this morning you repent, which means to change your mind, to be willing to turn and to trust in Christ and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If 
God's speaking to you this morning, then I invite you. Give your life to Christ. Because there will come a time where you can't hide any longer. And it's just becoming you and Jesus. And I know this is very, like a real scary thought for you. So you can run from him or you can run to him. But I beg you, run to him this morning. The Bible says no one who believes in him will ever be disappointed. So let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this wonderful morning when we've heard people testify that you have forgiven them. And Lord, I want to be the first one to confess that there have been times that I've gotten far from my baptism. I've forgotten just what Jesus did on the cross and how much he loves me and how much joy there is when we serve him and surrender to him. So bless these six folks that were baptized this morning. Bless their families, their loved ones that came today. Spread the message of the gospel so it takes root in their hearts. Father, strengthen us as a church to go and make disciples. May our children continue to learn the truth of the gospel in hopes that one day they will become followers, forgiven by the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much that you are at work in our church, Lord. We give you all the glory. And while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'd like to give an opportunity for any of you that would like to respond to the gospel. If you would like Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. If God's speaking to you, just say to him in your heart, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died to forgive me of my sins. I believe that you shed your blood and that you rose again. And I want to become a Christian. I want to be forgiven. I, I surrender to be your follower. And I ask that from this day forth, you'll wash away my sins and change my life like those I heard today. While our heads are bowed, if that's your desire this morning, I want to pray for you. That's nothing to be ashamed of. The Bible says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Is there anyone this morning you say, Pastor, God spoke to me and I want you to pray for me. I, I truly want to accept Christ. If you'll just slip up your hand for just a moment and look up at me so I can see you. Is there anyone at all? Praise the Lord. Yes, yes, praise the Lord. Anyone else? Okay, Father, thanks for our time together. For these two that have said they truly want to be followers, may you assure their hearts that there is abundant forgiveness with Christ. Thank you for everyone that's here today. May we go home thinking about what the Lord has done for us and praising God for his mercy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. I'll be here if you have any questions. And we'll look forward to seeing you again.